Hey, welcome to another episode of Games in Schools and Libraries. It's November, which means all of our good intentions and students' good behaviors are starting to uh, hopefully show some resilience. I think all my fellow teachers out there can understand. So best of luck as we push through to the holidays. And if this airs after the holidays, ha ha ha, laugh about how it innocent I was then. I'd like to welcome to the show Eric Slauson. Hey, Eric, how are you? Hey, Kathleen, how are you? I'm good. So I met Eric through just regular board gaming and design sort of channels. And it was only like later when I realized, found out that he was also a teacher. Sometimes as teachers, we don't necessarily tell people that. People have a tendency to like, you know, tell us stories about the worst teacher they ever had, that sort of thing. Um, I don't know if you, that's why I tell people actually when I go out that I'm an accountant at a sewer line company because no one asks any follow-up questions about that. But if you see your <laughs> teacher, they tell you about somebody who 43 years ago said something terrible. And again, I, I, I'm getting off track here. Eric, you're a game designer and a teacher. Which I do you sure like better? Oh, I, I think teaching. I think teaching I, I enjoy as my my main uh, hustle, uh, yeah. as the day-to-day. Um, I think both of them allow me to do a nice thing, which makes me feel good, but to a, a wide net of people. You know, like when I was teaching, you think about like, okay, I have 60 kids this year, and then I had 70 last year, and then that starts compounding. You know, yeah. hopefully, you know, you're teaching them good values that they take out into the world and so it's this you know cascading positive effect on the world um and you know game design again hopefully you you know every time a game comes out that's five people who enjoy it or four people who enjoy it and then multiply that by the number of copies sold and so you can see that you have this big impact um bringing joy to people so um i love that approach and that's, I mean, and I would say, like, for you, 100%, like, I don't think I've ever hung out with you where you haven't been smiling about, you know, 75% <laughs> of the time, you know, so that's super awesome. Well, tell you what, why don't you introduce yourself, tell everybody a little bit more about yourself. Hello. Please. Yeah, so I'm <laughs> Eric Slauson, uh, teacher. I, I teach high school. Uh, I'm an instructional facilitator of technology. What that means is I basically coach teachers on how to integrate technology more effectively in their classrooms. Before that, I was a sixth grade language arts teacher. So, you know, reading, writing, no arithmetic, uh, just the reading and writing. <laughs> Um, in my spare time, all of my spare time, I'm a, a board game designer. Uh, mostly what I uh, specialize in is party games, social games, and uh, developing games for player interaction. So um, I have worked on some other, you know, some heavier games, um, but uh, specifically brought in to increase player interaction, increase table talk, and, and bring a social aspect to a game that might be more of a... Um, a silent experience otherwise that's really interesting i didn't know that you were doing that that's pretty cool yeah that's been um kind of my uh, an interesting niche over the past year um i've gotten to work on some cool projects with that um specialty huh so back when you were in the english classroom I mean, and that's one thing that I've talked about a bunch of times is that teachers are game designers. If you're doing any type of like lesson or instructional design, mm -hmm. the process is the same. You know, it's just and, you know, you've got your outcomes. What do you want? You know, what do you want students to learn as a result of it? Well, what's your, the goals in the game? And, you know, right. what do players need to do in order to get there? So 
When did you start getting into gaming? Was there, do you think it was influenced at all by your work in education or was it just sort of an interest that you had that just sort of spawned and grew? Oh, I think definitely before I actually got into gaming, like board game design and playing what we consider like hobby board games, um, my first years of, of teaching um, in 2010, 2011, um, were, I, I was making games. I, I would mm-hmm. make little review games. You know, every teacher has like a Jeopardy game that they have in their back pocket on a rainy day. But um, I, I made this game um, Prepositional Pictionary, where mm-hmm. there was a deck of prepositions and a deck of nouns, and you had to draw a picture, like Pictionary style, of that oh, phrase. That's cool. So it would be like, under the bush, around the school, and you had to draw both and do arrows on the board. So I did that, um, and some other kind of like dexterity games, throwing things across the room, and you know, that was mainly just like engage the kids, give them a movement break, a, a brain break, mm-hmm. um, and I, I always enjoyed it. Um, and then a friend of mine, another uh, uh, a math teacher down the hall, uh, got a game on Amazon. I don't even remember what game it was, but we we played it, and um, it was the first time I had played something that wasn't, you know, a classic like mm-hmm. a, a Uno or a Scrabble or something like that. Um, it might have it might have been Pandemic, um, but we you know we had to wrap our minds around it, read the rule book like ten mm-hmm. times because we didn't know what any of those terms meant or you know that kind of stuff, and it just blew our minds. And so from then on, both of us each month would buy a game on Amazon, um, mm-hmm. and we so we did that for like a year and a half, and it it really helped me um, number one understand kind of what games could be and what they had become. Um, and what kind of games I like playing and um, eventually designing. Because after I played enough of these new games, I thought, you know, let me let me try to do this, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I made this, like, risk-type, um, you know, roll two dice to see who wins type game. It was terrible. <laughs> but uh, we played it, you know, like a... Um, you know, just a, a board game night, and everybody just loved it. Um, just from the novelty of me having made a game, and so then I was I was hooked, um, hmm. and made some games after that. Well, and especially when you work with middle school, you know, which uh, you did, I and I still do, obviously. It's I always describe it as the intersection of age and intelligence. You know, when they're when they're young, they have all kinds of energy. I'm sorry, right. energy and intelligence. Sorry, um, when they're young, they have all kinds of energy and not a lot of intelligence. And when they're older, they have a lot of a lot of intelligence and not that mo- not that much energy. And in middle school, you've kind of got the best of both worlds. You know, right. where you've got like hey, you have these like really amazing discussions, and then but they're still like yeah, let's get all over it, and yeah, let's do this <laughs> and let's do that. Plus, we don't have the pressures that you have in high school sometimes towards you know, their grades in college and all that other stuff. So it's a really great time to just kind of experiment and lab around. Right. And that's one thing I think, especially like when you're teaching a core subject, though, like, you know, English language arts to sixth graders, you're going to have to get creative with how you do it. Is that where a lot of your inspiration drew from? Yeah. So a lot of what I, you know, do in, in, gaming is trying to give people an experience of um, a creative experience, but in a safe environment. And that mm-hmm. a lot of that comes from me teaching English because whether it's, you know, having to stand up in front of the class and give a speech or, um, Hey, you know, I, I, you wrote that really great story. 
can you read it to the class? Because I want them to see how to do dialogue mm -hmm. um, and trying to, you know, give kids uh, uh, the the confidence to share their writing, which is such a personal thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I got a lot of practice in that and, and empathy of knowing how scary it is to share creative things um, or how hard it is to to be creative, I guess, for people who are not naturally like necessarily quick-witted or have that improv gene. Mm -hmm. um, there's still kind of mental um, tricks you can use to be creative and do creative thought. So teaching kids how to be creative, how to be inquisitive, how to be analytical. Um, so those kinds of um, experiences with my, my students is kind of what I bring to my games, trying to give people an experience of... Um, you know, uh, whether it's drawing something or making a joke or um, figuring out, you know, the best, the most efficient way to use cards or something like that. It's uh, I view it as a creative exercise, um, but low stress and low um, uh, danger, I guess, which, you know, right. again, in middle school, you talked about how they have this energy and they have this um, not as much in intelligence, but they have some of the most intense social pressures um mm -hmm. and you know their peers and us like i teaching sixth grade when they come in to me they're still basically fifth graders and you know so i'm very much still mr slauson and they right. want to please me and they want to get the right answer and you know a lot of what i do for the first half of the year is trying to like deprogram some of that like right there's there's not a right answer to this question that i'm asking you i want you to come up with you know, something, your opinion. So, right. um, that's where the types of, um, uh, experiences I think are the most interesting or where you come up with your way to do it. Like, you know, whether it's a, a game where you're coming up with a joke or a game like, you know, magic where you can build your own deck or something, it's that same, you know, you built something, you built a deck, you built a joke, um, you know, you wrote the story in, in fairy tales or something like that. Well, is that where, so uh, Nerd Words is a game that you had on Kickstarter with Genius Games. Mm -hmm. Was that, um, talk a little bit about Nerd Words, and is that a game that's that spawned from being in the classroom? Yeah, so um, one of the things that I really pushed for um, when I was uh, in English was co-curricular things, so I tried to work with uh, the science department, the English department, the health department, um, uh, health and PE. Uh, and I kind of check in with each class every week or every couple weeks and say, hey, what are you talking about in class? Um, and I did that one because I could, on a very base level, insert little references to things. Like when we're practicing sentences, I could say like, Thomas Jefferson, blah, blah, blah. And mm -hmm. we're working on the adjectives and the verbs, but there's still factual information in the sentence, you know, like, so right. I can kind of cycle back to information. Um, but we started doing more uh, project-based learning and these big, um, these big projects that were co-curricular. So, um, and the kids, it always blew the kids' minds. Like, this is English. Why are we talking about history? <laughs> or, right. you know, this is science. What does, you know, writing a paragraph have to do with, with science? And, you know, so we have to show them that um, the learning is not compartmentalized. It's it's all the same kind of skills. So John uh, Covey 
uh, I met him actually at the, the, I think the same convention I met you at, which is Geekway, um, mm-hmm. like four years ago. Um, and he played one of my games that was just like a very ridiculous kind of silly party game. But we, you know, uh, hit it off and kind of stayed in touch. And he came to me and said, hey, you know, I make these science games. I want to make one that is more social or, you know, like a science party game kind of. Mm -hmm. So um, that, you know, hit me exactly, you know, my my interest, which is that cross-curricular. You know, it's a word game. It's a party game, but it has scientific content in it. So um, the same way that I would kind of trick my kids into learning. <laughs> right. Um, uh, it's It has that same kind of feel where it's a, it's a fun game. It's, it has that, like, um, code names, taboo kind of brain, you know, burning. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I give the right clue? But also it uses these scientific terms um, as your as your prompt. So you're learning while you're playing. Yeah. Well, and that's true, because I remember also when we met, you were in the game design contest at Geekway that I was helping to run. Right. And uh, I mean, and I really like, because especially for your games too, they, also, they often have an art component to them as well. And I really, I really respect party games because it's all about kind of cluing in on what is that one thing that you can do in this game. And it's got to be something where there's like a great payoff, a great experience, like for the player. You know, it's all about figuring out what that one thing is. I mean, heck, I mean, think about the game, just one, you know, it's such a brilliant game. Um, It is. And does something so simple, but it works so well. And actually I was telling some teachers here about how they could probably apply some of the ideas of, of how they do that in their classrooms to get kids talking about concepts, not just about, you know, individual words for recall. And so anyway, but anyway, so, but you had monstrosity and it was such a cool thing. Um, but you we were talking earlier and you said this kind of spawned out of something that you did with your students in class as well. Yeah. So, uh, monstrosity, which uh, should be coming to Kickstarter early next year. Oh, um, who with? Uh, bread and circuses. Um, oh, cool! I'm John so Collin glad they found a home. Murray. Yeah, so that's that's. I'm really excited about uh, monstrosity. We've got some cool stuff uh, going with that, but um, that I prototyped a little with my students uh, in our vivid writing unit. Mm-hmm. Um, so the basic uh, conceit of the game is that you are. Uh, it's in the future, and you're a human, and you're on this intergalactic space station, and you, um, you know, have you run a foul of some alien and you have to go into the police station and describe what that alien was to a sketch artist because you don't Mm -hmm. know what any of these aliens are called um so all the other players are drawing the alien based on your description um and you have only seen this alien card for 20 seconds so you try to memorize this card and then lay it face down you describe the alien everybody else is drawing as fast as they can you're asking they're asking questions you're trying to say it and then they reveal their alien, and you try to decide who kind of got the closest to what the alien looks like. Um, so I did this similar thing with my students, uh, but instead of doing it verbally, we did it uh, writing uh, in writing. So I showed an alien on the board, this crazy creature, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I showed scary ones and cute ones or whatever. And then I had... Um, other students write as detailed of a description as they could. So we talked about adjectives and we talked about prepositions, you know, it has two horns on the side of its head, that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, so they read their description, um, and then like an impartial party 
who hadn't seen the alien, like kind of listened and then evaluated, oh, you know, maybe you should have said this or, you know, oh, you said blue. I imagined like a dark blue. So maybe you should say light blue. You know, we talked mm-hmm. about how to um, how to edit it. So it was, you know, I tweaked it a little bit uh, for them, but it used the same skills of um uh, reading comprehension or listening comprehension, active listening, uh, because you can ask questions to the witness, like clarifying questions, um, descriptive writing. So it was really fun. And they, that was one of those activities they asked to play like over and over and over again. Um, that's a good cool. sign. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that has, that has mirrored when I play test monstrosity, I usually, it's like, you know, people are like, oh, can I? Can we play it just one time to see how it works? And then I, I pull it out, like, okay, yeah, we'll play around. And then they want everybody wants to keep doing it over and over and over again uh, mm-hmm. to the point where I'm like, okay, guys, I have to go. Like, I got this other meeting, and <laughs> uh, they're like, just leave this, and we'll keep playing it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's really exciting. It's a it's a pretty fun experience. Yeah, you've been really prolific. Uh. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, it's been a pretty good, like, past couple years. Like, you know, I, this is my fourth year, I think, maybe designing. And there were, you know, some rough two years there at the beginning. Right, right. Well, sure, was, everybody you know, has that. Everybody yeah, has pitching that. and pitching and pitching. And then, you know, um, just going to conventions and, and meeting people and and just hanging out with people. And uh, them getting to know me, I, I think, is... It wasn't the pitching necessarily. It wasn't the, um, you know, like the hustling. I guess it was the mm-hmm. the the connections that I've made uh, with other designers, with other publishers, um, and g- them getting to know like what I'm about as a designer, which is like creating these experiences. So yeah. that has that's been a lot of the things that I've gotten is somebody who like okay, we made all these great games, but like you know, everybody's quiet when they're playing them. Like, who do we know who can make people talk? Or who do we know who can make people laugh or whatever? And so, um, like, more than once, that has been the pitch. Like, a publisher has come to me and said, hey, I need your help <laughs> when, yeah. you know, making this social game. So it's really it's it's uh, really cool. And a lot of it does come from, like you were saying, um, working with middle schoolers who don't necessarily who are very awkward who just <laughs> the most awkward and don't necessarily want to share um and, right. and creating a space where that is encouraged and praised yeah i and that's one thing is funny today um in one of my classes we're studying film and so they're watching some movies and then they'll make uh, a silent uh, black and white two minute suspense film so we just watched oh, cool. yeah they just watch war games and then they'll watch rear window and then um, they'll do they'll do some other stuff but that's basically what they're working up to but it was really funny though because uh, in talking about David from war games um, I put up a chart on the board about how how innocent he was you know kind of like a little plotter graph and then mm-hmm. uh, and then a, from very innocent to not innocent at all and then one from that he was completely innocent in terms of like what he was doing all the way to that he was like a terrorist spy so there's everything (laughs) in between from like troublemaker to technological libertarian to criminal and it's so funny i'm just laughing about this This isn't you know just because i asked so we got the graph on the board kind of set it up as far as what we're going to do and so all the kids then had to put their dot on where they think he was on all those intersections and and it was funny because only one kid said he was a criminal, full stop, and one said he was beyond it. And all the rest of them were behind, behind that. And I hmm. said, 
uh, who here thinks David broke one law in all these hands? They're like, oh my God, of course. I'm like, two laws, three laws, four laws. They're like, he broke like 15. I'm like, how come you're not calling him a criminal? They're like, well, so like, you know, so then just as soon as that happened and the bell ring, I'm like, cool, it's going to be good tomorrow. They're like, oh no. But that's just like, that's one of the best things. Like when they're so excited, they want to like share and argue and all this other stuff. So they're going to, I'm going to wreck their night by having them think yes. about David and war games tonight. It's a good time. <laughs> yeah. Monster. I, well, kind of speaking of, no. Um, so yeah, so then you have, um, well, okay, we'll get to, because you've got a new game tattoo stories and I want to get to that. But before mm-hmm. we do, do you think that, because you, you now are working, you went from middle school to high school, so different building, I assume, correct? Yes, and, yes. And as an instructional coach, you know, you're working with teachers to incorporate technology into what they do. Is having this ability to, like, see the fun and bring the fun into things, do you think that's that's got to be a help when it comes to this new job in terms of making headway in with, like, the teachers and their classes and everything they're doing? Yeah, I mean, that's literally... Yeah, my job is to take something and and make it either. I, now that now that we are comparing it, really, I'm a developer. Like mm-hmm. it's what developers do, but as a teacher, so they usually have a core lesson, whether it's something they've taught for ten years, the same lesson every year or whatever, mm-hmm. and they want to add, they want to change it in some way or or um, enhance it in some way, or maybe they're starting from just note paper you know like sketches of what they want the unit to be about Mm -hmm. but i kind of come in and ask them clarifying questions you know what do you want what's the end goal what do you want them to be able to know what do you want them to be able to do and then i kind of have some things in my toolkit some apps that i know about some websites that i'm familiar with some some teaching strategies and Mm -hmm. i kind of match their goal to a specific um tool so the same way that somebody might say oh you know i need more interaction in my in my game then you know as a designer i can kind of go through my toolkit of being like okay well you know take that is probably the most extreme version you know of that so let's mm-hmm. start there do you want it to be take that or not no like, no we want it to be cooperative okay cool great so then like let's make it cooperative resource management because in that scenario then people really have to talk about how are we going to use this resource so then everybody's Mm -hmm. talking everybody's debating should we use this for that or should we save it so you know that's kind of that same process of asking what the client's goals are um, and then using your kind of toolkit to to uh, give them those those goals right Um, so yeah it's like development basically right (laughs) well and and especially too because um most teachers are obviously familiar with the Bloom's model, you know, mm-hmm. we're wanting kids wanting to go from pure recall um, all the way to like whether, you know, creating something, synthesizing something. But uh, my second master's was in educational technology. And when you and I were talking about Bloom's uh, mm-hmm. before we started recording, we started talking about the SAMR model. And I think the SAMR model is... Um, I think so incredibly helpful when it comes to working with technology. And I would say games our technology because like let's say that you know you've got like a jeopardy game you know and it's like what was the name of thomas jefferson's dog and somebody says Mm -hmm. boomer and they either get it and they don't and that's like kind of it but (laughs) you know good games like what you're talking about gets 
people thinking and applying the ideas and concepts at a much higher level. Right. And if people aren't, if you're not familiar with the SAMR model, it's S-A-M-R by Dr. Ruben Pudentura. And it's basically taking your technology from, when you use technology in the class, like substituting like versus S is substituting, so direct substitute. So basically one from a typewriter to a word processor, like that's it. I mean, it's great. Right. It's faster. I mean, but then augmentation, you know, was a substitute, but then functional improvement. So if the first was a word processor, then Google Docs would be mm-hmm. augmenting because then you can share it live and then you can collaborate on it. Um, and actually, maybe that's even more modification, significant task redesign. So that's the M. So you're, you know, how the technology is letting you really transform what you're doing. And then finally, the R stands for redefinition. Technology allows the creation of new tasks, previously inconceivable. And yes. <laughs> Right. And so when we were talking about this... Um, I was in a technology cohort here at our school and I was talking about how I share my students games on BGG and then people comment and respond and I have the kids post their comments. So it turns into this whole conversation. Kids will make changes on their games and all that. And I said, yeah, I think that's, you know, um, I forget what I said. I got it wrong. And I was even the thing. I was like, oh, that's like augmentation. They're like, actually, no, Kathleen, that's redefinition, you know, and and it really is transformative for like the work that I do with students because and if there was a way to have them do this more along the way mm-hmm. that was manageable, because it takes a lot of time because I have to post everything through my account and next semester I'll have 70 something kids designing games. So, you know, yeah, there's this project that. is incredible. Yeah. But that's the thing, though, is like it just it was one of those things. I had kids write letters to a publisher. They got zero responses. And it's like, (laughs) well, I know of this other thing where they can just talk to people directly. And as long as people are cool, not weird, then we're great. And it's been great. It's been amazing. I mean, they go from like school project to game designer in the real world. And yeah, I mean, so like that's the thing is, I think when it comes to like how you use games, how you use technology in the classroom, we have such a tremendous potential to really mm-hmm. unlock the way kids see themselves and what they're doing and what teachers, how teachers see themselves and what they're doing. Yeah. I think the SAMR model is, is huge for how you really use any tool, um, whether it be digital technology or, you know, a ruler, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, any, any, any tool, um, how, how well integrated is it is it um and how transformative is it like you were saying that redefinition that r mm-hmm. is the is the top tier and it, you know and this is something i tell teachers all the time is that it doesn't have to be r all day long all the time because that's a lot right um and so and some tools all you need them for is to be an s as a, as a substitute um to do something at a at a greater scale or a faster speed so that you can right. get to the fun stuff you know right. like typer shark um, exactly <laughs> <laughs> so fun i would yeah. play typer shark right now man or type racer man type racer z type z type is great what um, i didn't even know about that i'm so glad so we're many, here that's like so the name of this episode games. <laughs> eric slauson and the future of typing games on the computer done yeah, and done but, Stuff like that. I mean, um, well, okay. So, so then let's let's talk about this. Then, especially so the the intersection of all your lives, you know, because I just went to a conference. I just went to the to Nasaga, the North American Simulation and Gaming Association. It's all about, you know, how you use games um, for either for corporate training or for education or some combination of the two, and. Mm-hmm. 
there were some that were phenomenal, and then there definitely were some games that kind of missed the mark as far as what they were doing. I mean, yes, we were playing a game, but did the game really kind of fit the goals of what they were talking about? I don't really know that some of them did. Right. So, so when it comes to, you know, gamification of the classroom, game-based learning, how you apply games to what you're doing – what are the things that you look out for? What are the things that you gently nudge people away from or gently nudge them towards? That's a very good question. Um, so I think the thing to get away from, and this is what I think most of us, when we were growing up, what we saw games in, in the classroom were like rewards, mm-hmm. you know? Or it's like, we're going to have a game day, and it's on a Friday before spring break where they don't feel like doing anything, you know, and like, we're just going to play Scrabble in English class or whatever, Um, which is fine. You know, that's a, that's a a way to, you know, use up a Friday before spring break. Um, But what we want to get to is, is having, finding games and finding experiences that really work the parts of your brain that you are trying to get your kids to, to work. So, all of us have a content area that we specialize in, mm-hmm. but m- most of us also have underlying skills that we need them to have. So, you know, in English, yes, I need you to know what a verb is and a noun is and who the protagonist is and all that kind of stuff. But I really need you to be an analytical thinker. I really mm-hmm. need you to be able to uh, form a thesis and, you know, uh, back it up with evidence and, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this, you know, uh, as learners and, and, and uh, teachers need executive functioning skills like planning, organization, uh, forethought, all that kind of stuff. And really any game with, you know, like where you're thinking two turns ahead, that's the kind of thing that you want to um uh, provide students with with that practice of like okay well you know think two turns ahead or plan your resources those sorts of things so games that 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 work those centers of the brain or games that um um give you a what's a, like a, a tactile connection to mm-hmm. um a subject so um i mean you think about um what's the um, what's the um underground railroad oh freedom freedom yeah Mm -hmm. so that's you know that's one of the uh, a great example um of you know just seeing things laid out spatially seeing how you know these pieces interact with each other and then really kind of internalizing that this like happened you Mm -hmm. know um that these pieces represent people and that you know we couldn't even win and we were you know, <laughs> like safely in a classroom, um, you know, imagine if this was a life or death thing and what are the real consequences right. of failure in the real life. So um, going, going into that. So I think creating games um, is, is really the top tier, um, you know, that, yeah. that, that, um, you know, the top tier of blooms as well of, of synthesizing something. And, and mm-hmm. because in order to do that, you need to intimately understand your subject. Um, and that's why I think 
on, on as a designer that's why they say you know play as many games as you can and you know that's why i tell designers to enter some of these game design contests mm-hmm. especially ones that have very specific rules like you have to make a trick taker you have to make you know hand yeah. management game or whatever so that you can intimately learn all these tools and then synthesize them into your own game or you know right. pick and choose so um uh, the 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 project that you do, we're having you have your students design these games is is a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can make kind of any game they want, but in any subject area. So let's say it's you know you're you're studying types of clouds and in, in science or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you you know have your kids make a game based on that, and you kind of give them some some nudges and some right directions, like okay, yours has to involve dice. Yours has to involve you know, roll to move or, right. or something like that. Right. Uh, you give them some scaffolding, then they can take the content knowledge that they have, and in order to make a fun experience, they really have to think about right. how things interact with each other. Right. Um, well, and, and but the one thing that I will say is a follow up to that, and this is something I've certainly mentioned before, is if you when um, if you want kids to design games, and I think this comes in ties in neatly to what you're talking about is using better games in the classroom with your students mm-hmm. is students will design games based on what experiences they have. If they've only ever played <laughs> risk, they yeah. will make risk games. If they've only ever played Scrabble, they will play Scrabble games. And right. so you, I mean, that's why we see so many monopoly and trivial pursuit and Candyland sort of, you know, yes. ripoffs is because that's, that's their vocabulary. That's their gaming. That's their level of gaming literacy as far as that goes. So especially when you want kids to create games, like let's say on clouds, because that's actually something I've kind of kicked around a little bit is having my students pick something that they've studied, that they've enjoyed, and then mm-hmm. make that the basis of their games. Because they do have them pick, and they can they can do that anyway. But to be more intentional about it, I think could be interesting, especially mm-hmm. if we tie it to like, okay, sixth grade science, what was one thing or whatever, you know? Uh, because again, design constraints are good. When, I, when you make it so open-ended, then you're just like, oh my gosh, there's so much that you could choose from. Um, right. But you have to give them better games to play or otherwise you're going to you know it's like um oh the one guy who's you know like found a basic math textbook and kind of figured his way out to calculus based on you know that well i mean that's cool but it doesn't work like that in game design not often not often every now and then you've got a kid who just really innovates the snot out of something you're just like where did this come from but not often. Certainly doesn't happen like that kid. for me, too. You know, I mean, I'm just, we're not throwing shade here. It's, it's hard for everybody. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, giving giving them good games to play um, and then, you know, using those as, as in, we call it the mentor texts um, mm-hmm. in, in language arts, uh, things that you use to study, um, study skills so um, or implement in your own art or your own writing so yeah i mean just yeah play a lot of games and you know um and use them intentionally i guess is the the underlying whatever your intention is whatever your goal is have that be the forefront of your mind and how you decide which games to buy you know right um don't just go based on however many stars it has or whatever like look at really what it asks players to do you know yeah um well, and I think, too, party games especially, there's so many ways 
party games can have. I mean, if it's just like pick the like apples to apples, if you can win apples to apples by playing blind, then to be don't use that, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> unless you're going to attach something meaningful to it. Because like when I got rid of apples to apples in my classroom, because the, I mean, it's not as popular as it used to be, but. Kids were just like, oh, we're just going to play crazy and just try to put, like, the craziest answer down. And it's like, oh, it's exhausting <laughs> after a while. You're just like, yeah. it doesn't matter what I do or say anymore. You know, it just matters, right. like, if you guys think it's weird. So whoever gets, like, giant squid is going to win every single time or whatever, you know. So, um, Have you yeah. played um, – a good uh, example of this is um, Before There Were Stars. Have you played that? Um yes which one is that it's the one where you use like the the constellation cards it's a storytelling game oh no no no, i haven't done that myths haven't done that um it's it's a like a great experience you can use in like social studies and and english but um anything where you study like ancient civilizations so native americans or um, um or greeks or anything like that that have creation myths um so basically you you each are in charge of like a different civilization basically kind of mm-hmm. and you it follows kind of the creation myth structure so you know the first one is like in the beginning or whatever and then you draw a card and it might be like the necklace or something i don't know and there's a little constellation shaped like a necklace and you have to say okay well in the beginning um the great sky spirit had a necklace and it fell from her neck and that's the moon you know and Mm -hmm. and so you have to kind of like think creatively but it gets you thinking about how mythology and these creation myths are there to explain natural phenomenon to explain you know historical events and and those sorts of things so um it's a it's a really cool game but that's an example of a game that it's a uh, I, I guess a party game. I mean, a storytelling game, um, but use it puts you in the in the mindset of somebody who has these, you know, the um, mythologies um, yeah. as their to explain their surroundings. So, yeah. well, and I think too, um, yeah. I mean, there's that's really cool. Like just think about like if you, that was you. I mean, it's almost like I'd want to project the cards on a board. And, like, mm-hmm. have the kids laying back as if they were, like, there laying on the ground looking up at the stars trying oh, to make some sense yeah. of that, you know? <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, just kind of really create that experience of, like, what must this have been like, you know? And uh, that'd be, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Like, if Especially, you don't know what lightning is, mm-hmm. how do you, what is that, you know? Like, how do you explain that with, with mythology, you know, as, a, as an ancient person? Right. I did a project helping a local game company. They had a science-based game. And I did a project where I helped look up all the different uh, state standards and figure out which state standards best fit. And this was before Common Core. Uh, Mm -hmm. But what was really cool is Alaska, their uh, state standards in um, history basically acknowledged, or science, um, acknowledged uh, that... I forget how they said it, but it was very, very cool about just like, like that there were um, like more like ancient traditions whose explanations for the creation and operation of the universe um, were different, but rooted in transition and tradition and and viable as far as like a belief system. I don't remember exactly. That's not exactly how they said it, but it was very, very cool 
how they wrote that in there as far as just respecting traditions that people had as it related to science. And I think that's interesting. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, especially when I was working with this company, um, cause they had like, you know, like trivia based questions and stuff. And, you know, at one point we were talking about, you know, scientists agree. And he was telling me that one of the scientists who was working with him on this game said, you know, scientists, really don't agree <laughs> like if you take almost <laughs> anything and you will not get scientists agreeing on something like there's going to be yeah. something about it that there's going to be disagreement and i love that you know when we put that like element of human error you know into that and that we're all doing sort of like the best we can that's always like the, the human aspect always intrigues me because i feel like a robot half the times i think <laughs> well yeah. so You've got another new toy coming out because you're Mr. Busy Pants. <laughs> and I got to play this and I was really excited because this was actually the first of your games to be published that I got to play and that was Tattoo Stories. Oh yes, Tattoo Stories. Yeah, I mean is I mean and I I mean even the word story in there, you've got that um I mean your background as far as an English teacher to me just like shines through with that. Right. Yeah, yeah so- I'm, I'm really excited about uh, this game. This one's been, um, you know, my 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 baby. And, and so far it was as the one that the first one that I really was like, this is a thing, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, it, it was uh, uh, consistently successful in playtests. And I, you know, started pitching it around. It was the first game that I started getting pitch meetings for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it's had its its journey. But um yeah, basically the way, the way it works is you're um, in a tattoo parlor and mm-hmm. each uh, round, one player p- plays the customer and they come into the tattoo parlor and they just kind of, they know all the stuff that they like, but they don't really know what they want their design to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so they there's a whole big stack of cards that have tattoo elements like bats or dragons or flames or chains or whatever. Um, and they uh, pick five of those to say, hey, I like I like all five of these things. Draw me something. Um, make a tattoo. And everybody else at the table has three minutes to synthesize <laughs> all of that information into one cohesive design. So you're drawing as fast as you can. Um, you can't erase uh, because it's a tattoo. Yeah, I love um, that part. That's a, that, <laughs> that to me, like that one aspect is really where the tattoo part totally makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you're drawing and drawing, but also you're asking questions. You're asking clarifying questions. So one of the cards might say something like uh, candy, but that could be anything. So you're asking the customer like, well, what's your favorite candy? And, you know, why? Or this says dinosaur. What's your favorite dinosaur? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that creates some some silliness and some tension because not everybody can yell out questions at the same time and you're all on a timer. So you have to start drawing at go. And so I'm already drawing a T-Rex and then they say, Oh, my favorite is a pterodactyl and (laughs) I can't Mm -hmm. erase. So now I have to figure out how to either turn that T-Rex into a pterodactyl or, you know, make the T-Rex eating a pterodactyl or, you know, have, I have to kind of, uh, fix my, fix my error, um, that way. So it's, there's, there's that back and forth communication, um and then the drawing and then you get this at the end of the three minutes this reveal where e- each person one by one gets to show their 
the thing that they've drawn their their piece um and then they get to pitch it to the customer like hey man here's what i drew Mm -hmm. i gave you this you know i remember you said this you uh, you know i i worked in your mom's name um somewhere in here and right uh and then everybody pitches and then the customer gives each individual card to the person with the most creative use of that card yeah so it has nothing to do with like your artistic talent it's more about your creative thought um so um, you know, well, and oh. I like too that it's not an all for one kind of thing. Like you get the one point, and no one else gets a point because in some games like that, you may not if you don't get four points in a row, you don't get four points. I mean, there's like like <laughs> a, a, a more gentler kind of reward system. You know what I mean? That yeah. keeps everybody engaged as opposed to your score is still zero because you are still terrible at this game. And especially since people have a lot of fear about drawing publicly, yes. like yeah. this designed to help get over that. I mean, I think you could do like a lot of work with this in ter- as far as empathy goes, you know, listening. If you're wanting yeah. kids to do like active listening kind of activities, you know, asking questions in terms of like designing for somebody else and what do you want? And especially like that you can't uh, erase anything. Honestly, I mean, it might scare perfectionists to death. Like they're afraid to make <laughs> any marks whatsoever because then they won't have anything. But right. it's also a game, too, and I think kids can be a little bit better about, you know, adjusting to that, you know, sort of framework. Right. Well, my uh, my girlfriend's uh, not professionally, but a very, 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 very good artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so both of the drawing games that I've designed... I keep her in mind as I'm designing them to make sure that she will not win every time. You know, if it's based on artistic talent, she's going to win every time. Mm-hmm. It's, we can't play Pictionary with her because she draws, draws a photorealistic, you know, like, right. that's the Eiffel Tower. That's a hoverboard. That's, you know, it's easy Right. Um, when she's when she's playing. Make her do it with um, her left hand then, or her non-dominant hand. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Close both eyes. <laughs> Draw yeah. it blind. Um, so, you know, in, in tattoo stories, it's, you can play with somebody who is, I've played with people who are comic book artists or, you know, graphic designers and stuff, these, these artists, but you know, they get so into the weeds of drawing a super detailed dinosaur that they miss the other four elements or they're not listening to the person saying they don't like that type of dinosaur. You know, you have to listen, you have to, um, uh, you can't use your time for perfection, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I think is, um, is the challenge for people who are, detail-oriented artists so it's interesting it's um for the for the customer you were talking about creating empathy one of the things that i've discovered is that it as the customer you're playing a different game Mm -hmm. kind of than everybody else um and you can make it what you want so Mm -hmm. you can mess with people who are drawing because it's time they can't erase. So you can intentionally give them a bunch of, you know, information. And then with one minute left, kind of throw in a curveball. So, you know, maybe bats is one of the cards and you're, you describe the other four cards for a long time. And then you say, yeah, you know, baseball is really important to me. And so I really want, you know, like a Louisville slugger. And at that point, everybody probably has inferred that you meant, the animal bats and so right. they've already drawn these bats all over the thing and so now they have to like figure out how to to change those so you can mess with people that way and ah. then in the judging you can be as diplomatic as you want or as 
um, ruthless as you want as, well, as the as the judge. I know? mean, tattoos are actually really personal, you know, as far as, right. you know, if you're wanting to commemorate some aspect of your life, like I don't have a tattoo, but I know exactly what I would get for my very first one, mm-hmm. you know, and it's something that, and one of my friends, um, her dad is covered in tattoos. We were like young and dumb and you know we went into a tattoo parlor because one of my friends wanted something ridiculous and she saw a tattoo magazine underneath the counter and she asked to see it and the guy said that they didn't let people look at those because they would tear out the pictures and you know then their magazines would get shredded to bits she said no no." yeah and she's like no no my dad's in there i want to show them my dad and so wow yeah like no there was a whole big feature on him um he is a curator at a, a reptile house, and so his oh, arms awesome. were covered with like these sleeves of just reptiles, and then his back had this big giant like Mayan piece on it, and I mean it was phenomenal. I mean especially for me with my parents who are you know a hundred percent anti-tattoo, not even like <laughs> neutral. My mother is anti-tattoo, and so that's why I don't have any. But. Um, But that's the kind of thing that you think about as far as like even nowadays when people may or may not have like the religious, you know, or community sort of, you know, connections that they once had. Right. It's it's a a way of sort of like having that sort of like tribal sort of marking upon yourself as far as like I'm here, I exist in this world. Right. You know, I'm showing the things that this is the ritual that I practice in. Yeah, it's incredibly personal. And I, I, I really took it seriously with my like the research that I did, mm-hmm. um, into, into tattoo art and the tattoo culture. And, you know, I, I sourced kind of crowdsourced the prompts to see what are the most common elements that people get. Um, and kind of, uh, I talked to some people who I know have a bunch of tattoos Some people who takes this, take this kind of lifestyle very seriously. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, like, uh, absolutely. I don't want this in the game or I don't want it to, poke fun at tattoos or I don't want it to make it seem like you're making a mistake or, right. you know, like, um, you know, there are games that like, I don't know, like it's, you think about like, Oh, you, a game about adopting dogs or whatever. And, you know, maybe one of the cards is like, Oh, you got a stray and it's minus five points. And it's like, well, that's not good. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. That's not the lesson we want to, you know, be, be teaching. And so in a tattoo game, you don't want like, some cards to be negative or you don't want some cards to be the butt of a joke or something, you know, right. like, because these are things that people have gotten, they've chosen. Um, so that's why I really took to heart and I made a game that celebrates the artistry, the creativity and the love that goes into creating the art and um, kind of appreciating the art. So. Yeah. It's, yeah, right. it's really, I, I don't have any tattoos, uh, which people always are, <laughs> I'm like talking all about tattoos and I made this game and they are like, what? <laughs> you don't have any tattoos, but. But you've um, got like 37 piercings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't hear them rattling on the, uh, no, on Eric, the microphone. I do not believe Eric. I don't know if you've, well, you got nothing visible. I wouldn't, we'll stop there, but I'm just saying. Zero. You know, zero. Zero piercings. <laughs> Wow, you're just a clean-cut kid, huh? Yeah, I have a lot of metal in my mouth from, from cavities. Well, that's cool. But, uh, all right, yeah, you ate lots of yeah, sugar. I yeah. did eat lots of sugar. You're a bad boy eating all that candy. Dang. Sour patch for life. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, I, I, I love that, you know, just we've hit on so many different topics, but it's just, it's cool to see how 
like all these sorts of different threads as far as like what drive you as far as games and and narrative and you know engagement and connection like all those sorts of threads just keep mm-hmm. winding through everything that you're doing yeah i've i've yeah I'm living the dream i get to you know go to school every day and help people um help teachers make class more fun so mm-hmm. they have more fun the kids have more fun right um or make it easier you know and, and make it a uh, uh, more efficient and in, in some way um and then i come home and i kind of focus on trying to create an experience that is you know the same like make it more fun give people a um a break from things right. and if i play my cards right then <laughs> hopefully i get you know I go to school and I get paid for doing work there. And then it, the kids go home and they play tattoo stories right. <laughs> or monstrosity. And then I get paid again at, <laughs> at night. So, um, yeah, I'm really cornering the market on, uh, <laughs> no, it, I think it's great. I think, uh, well, and it's, and it's nice too, especially, you know, when I struggle with games, I make sure my students know it. Um, because there's no, you know, a lot of times, with mine, especially teaching gifted kids, they think if they don't get it the first time, it's not gottable, you know, yes, part of yeah. the, the clunk there. But but that's the thing, because so much of what they've done has been relatively easy. And my job is to show them what struggle is, what challenges, what frustration is, but right. more importantly, like how to work through it and that you can work through it and that you can come up with something that you're not sure is the best answer but you're proud of the work that you've done. And that's right. the, that's the biggest like trick for me as far as like, is the mental game that I play with them, you know, as far as getting them to see themselves as a worthwhile work in progress, as opposed to, you know, a binary good or bad entity. Mm-hmm. And I think analytically something that you do as well, that I, I really think is important, especially in this game design unit mm-hmm. is being able to appreciate something um, as a, for what it's trying to do or mm-hmm. for what it's trying to be, even if you don't like it, like if, right. you know, like I, it happens all the time for me, you know, you and I are, we're always at these conventions all the time and we're right. trying to play, like play the hotness or play these games from the library that everybody's talking about a lot of the times those aren't my types of games. Um, mm-hmm. but when I play them, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. You know, like right. this. The way everything fits together is incredible. Do I want to play this again? No. (laughs) But but this is brilliant. And so, you know, I can, you know, really respect the the artistry and the... um, the math that goes into some of these games um, analytically without it necessarily being for me. And I think that's something that, especially kids with their attention spans and stuff, Mm -hmm. if they... you know, if they don't like it immediately or if it's not fun or gamified, sometimes they struggle to really understand the merit in something. Mm-hmm. Um, in English, I mean, how, how many of us had to read some book that we hated, you know, um, and it wasn't fun to read, uh, but that was, kind of wasn't the point. You were supposed to kind right. of be analyzing the skill that that particular author was showing, whether it right. be, you know characterization or local color or something like that yeah. so um but kids will always be able to critique something better when they don't like it whether li- whether or not they like to admit that like i yes one of the um in my film unit i used to s- assign kids movies to watch on their own from big list just to expand their you know literacy of film and cinema and 
it was so funny because if they liked something, it was like the acting was perfect and the story was perfect <laughs> and this was perfect. And then they just, I tell them, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey is on the list. I'm like, just so you know, you know, it's kind of a thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, the reviews. I mean, they're almost like scathing comedy pieces because they're just, they don't really get subtlety so much at that point. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. I remember one time I was shaking. I was laughing so hard about this kid describing how like mind numbingly bored he was while watching 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, and also uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind get them too. Oh my gosh. Because what? they think it's going to be an alien movie with lots of explosions. And no, it's just like lights and sunburns for like 90% of the movie. <laughs> and the ending's cool. But at that yeah. point, they're just like, oh my God. Uh, where are the aliens i know <laughs> i know oh my gosh it makes gosh it makes me laugh so hard yeah i mean yeah, so i mean there's definitely something to be said about you know exposing them to things that they don't like because and it, although the one thing i will say is and that doesn't really work in games because especially when they're playing a lot of games because they don't have a whole lot of experience with it they may not like something and then they're still more likely to kind of just write off the whole experience as opposed to the things that the game does do well or anything that right. might be interesting or different. They're like, nope, don't, they don't like it. So a lot of, <laughs> This was stupid. Right, right. So a lot of dry Euros, like regular Carcassonne, Alhambra, Through the Desert, a lot of games that are really clever in terms of what they do, and they just have no interest. It's not fun. It's not a good game. And so yeah. any game that I put in front of them, it has to be one that... Like, if kids don't like it, generally speaking, then it's out, and I won't put it back in the rotation. Yeah, I mean, which is fair, I guess. But as a, again, as a teacher, mm -hmm. it was it's never good enough to say, as English teacher specifically, to say, I like it. Right. Like, I'm all, I'm, they, kids hated <laughs> when I, when oh, I yeah. said why, because they knew they were like stuck for several minutes until they gave me a good reflective answer. You know? Oh, yeah, no. They'd say, like... Oh, mine are the same way. Same yeah. way. Yeah. And I'm glad that they like games. I'm glad that they, you know, like I want them to like games. I want them to love games. I want them because that like and love will help propel them through making one, especially when mm -hmm. they struggle with their own. For sure. For sure. No, I have the same sort of struggles too. And I think that's because sometimes they get away with that in some classes and I'm like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Not the Why? word we're using here. Yes, exactly. Why? The, I'm the little bird. That's what I say. I'm the little bird on your shoulder. A little parrot going, Why? 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 Yeah. And then they and, and then they come up with something. You're like, oh my gosh. And then they're like more surprised than you are. You know, it's amazing. And I think too, on a you know, aside from just academics and and the skills we want the kids to have and all that kind of stuff, I think as an English teacher, 60% of what I wanted to do was just get them to love reading and yeah. enjoy narrative and enjoy stories. And, and, and you look at the statistics of how often people read after high school and mm -hmm. it's just depressing, you know, yeah. <laughs> people just don't read, um, for, for pleasure, whether they don't have time or, or whatever. And, you know, I, I'm hoping that, you know, I have I um, sponsor a board game club at, at my high school, and you have this you know mm -hmm. the, this lesson that you do, and so I'm hoping that the same way that I have inspired students to continue reading, to find books that they love, to find authors that they love, so that they can have that that reading experience through life. Hopefully, we right. know, we're making gamers, you know, of these these kids where 
you know, they can go into high school or go into college and, and make friends, make a board game group of their own or play these games with their kids and, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, yeah. I, I think that there's a, a big, it's obviously an interpersonal thing. And when you have in, in English, you have parents who read to their kids and it mm-hmm. makes something that, is usually a, a you know a singular experience an incredibly powerful bonding experience between between parents and stuff and so board games can create that same sort of bonding experience i mean while we weren't playing a lot of us i hesitate to say great games well most of us were playing you know like I don't know, Monopolies and Unos and all that kind of stuff that sure. you know as gamers we've kind of evolved past all of us probably have experiences of playing those with our parents or our grandparents sure. and, and sitting around a table and laughing. So, you know, that's kind of in the, in the way that as a, as a teacher, yes, I have content. Yes. I have skills that I want you to have in my heart. I want you to be a reader. I want you to leave my classroom as a reader, mm-hmm. um, as a game designer on the same way. Like, yes, I want my game to get signed or, you know, I wanted to sell X number of copies or, you know, whatever, but really I want you to have fun with your group. Like yeah. if you guys are laughing together, then awesome. I right. did my, you know, I did my job. So I think at the end of the day for all of us, there's so many variables in what we do when we work in education and with kids. And especially when you're trying to do something that has so much more potential to stall out or to mm-hmm. not work as well as you want to be less effective. And I think talking with you and just hearing about like your love and for the kids and for what you do and how you do it, I think is so um, inspirational because I love what I do too. And I tell people all the time, like I have the best job in the world. Like we had some snow yesterday. And so today was uh, a late start day, not a day off. Some schools actually got the day off and people are like, Oh, are you bombed? I'm like, no, because <laughs> I love my students and I teach eighth grade and next semester I'll seventh grade. So I only have like a month left that I'll teach these kids ever again. So yeah, yeah no, I want to be at school every day that I can be, you know, and I think um, I'm just so appreciative of what you're doing as far as um, what you're doing in the classroom and helping teachers and um, helping to bring games that help bring people together. So you're pretty great, Eric Slauson. <laughs> Thank you. You're pretty great too, Kathleen. Oh, yay. <laughs> well, where can people find you if they want to know more about the great Eric Slauson and what he does? Uh, so I'm on uh, Twitter um, at STM Games. Uh, it's my, uh, if I ever publish my own game, it will be under Small Town Mayor Games. Um, oh. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm on Twitter a little bit. I eventually need to get onto Instagram cause there's a lot of board game stuff happening over there. Um, I'm on Facebook as well. Eric Slauson. Um, if you're an educator or something, just send me a friend request. Um, I am a, uh, a moderator on the meeple syrup shop talk page mm-hmm. um, on Facebook. And so that's a really good page for designers. Um, yeah, there's it's a great lot page. of stuff that goes on there. So, um, you can uh, get to me through there. Um, yeah, just see me at a convention also. Right. Kathleen, I'm sure I'll post a picture of me smiling like a doofus. <laughs> so you can come see me. Well, now I will. Find me. <laughs> I was going to do that one James Bond one you had, but now this is going to be like straight up, you know, Cressy the Clown. So right on. Oh, excellent. Cool. Um, well, So, yeah, I got uh, Tattoo Stories 
out now. What? Yeah, so that's out now. That's it came so out cool. October 18th, so check that out. Monstrosity should be Kickstarter early next year. Nerd Words should be out um, mid-December, I think. Um, yeah, all kinds of stuff going on. That's so awesome. Well, yeah. good job, you, man. You totally deserve <laughs> it. I know. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hard work to get all this stuff done, so yeah, that's so cool. Well, right but on. It's a lot of good testing, a lot of fun testing. Awesome. Well, this has been another fantastic, quite honestly, excellent episode of Game. I know I said myself of games and schools and libraries. This is Kathleen Mercury. You can find me uh, through my website at www.kathleenmercury.com, where I share all my board game design resources completely for free. And I'm on Twitter at Mercury with seven M's. I'm on Facebook. I'm on BGG as Funk Donut. I'm always happy to talk about using games, how you use games, making games, designing games, and anything that we can do to increase student engagement and learning outcomes through games. So if you're interested, if you've got something you want to talk about on the show, please, please, please send me a message. And with that, we'll talk soon. Have fun. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast. You can find out more about us and the people who create this show over at inversegenius.com and all of our other wonderful, wonderful shows, including on board games, on RPGs, the Inverse Genius podcast, and the Room Escape Divas. We are also now joined by the Party Gamecast and Nephilop, who you might remember as Stephanie, previous co-host here on the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast, and our friend, Lynn Theory. Thank you for listening. Games and Schools and Libraries is produced in association with the Georgetown County Library System.